As I have mentioned the past couple of weeks, God was dealing with me to replant the message concerning fasting. And we're going to do that today. Once again, God is leading us as a church in a 21-day fast. We're going to be kicking off a new year, those first 21 days fasting. I believe that uh, this is going to help, just uh, a review of what many already know, uh, just a refresher course, and those of you that uh, maybe have never uh, heard this message or maybe have not had much dealing uh, with fasting in your life, hopefully this will help you and direct you, uh, and just uh, be sensitive to God between now and uh, midnight tomorrow night. Uh, when the clock strikes 12, our fast will begin tomorrow night, and we'll be going uh, to uh, midnight on the 21st, uh, full 21 days of fasting and of prayer and just seeking God uh, for his will for our lives. And as we get into the sermon, I know that you'll uh, begin to uh, gather uh, revelation of what God is wanting and what God is desiring uh, through fasting and uh, why he is leading us once again to do that. And I believe that we have seen great results uh, over the years uh, and uh, what God has done on a personal basis and what God has done on a church base. And uh, so I'm, I'm thankful uh, for all of you that are going to get on board with us, and I encourage you to do so. Uh, united we stand, divided we fall. Amen. One can put a thousand, two can put... Amen. Uh, God can't lie. Remember that. Amen. Uh, you know, it was when that 120 were united came together, uh, that God manifested that promise, and he sent the Comforter. Amen. He sent the Holy Spirit, and it consumed them. And uh, I'm believing that God is going to, just in these last days, pour out his Spirit uh, in unmeasurable ways upon his church, upon his children, and upon his people. Uh, also, let me remind you, there will be no service here uh, this coming Wednesday night, no midweek service, but we will begin to pick our midweek service up the following week. And uh, remember the transition that we're making. Uh, we had been going from 7 to 8.30. We will be going back to just an hour uh, from 7 to 8. And uh, we'll meet here in the sanctuary, dismiss from here to our classes. And uh, until God changes the direction, the adults will just be having a, a season of prayer for about 50 minutes here uh, in the sanctuary. We'll put on some worship music. We'll dim the lights. Uh, we'll make it as romantic as we can uh, for us and for God. And uh, we'll just check him, amen, and get intimate with him and just uh, just bombard heaven with prayers. Much to pray about, amen. How many knows that America needs prayer, amen. How many knows that New Life Worship Center needs prayer, God's church in general needs prayer. I need prayer, and I don't know if you know it or not, but you need prayer, amen. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I think most of my scriptures I'm going to be uh, old school today and uh, out of the King James Version. Um, I don't have a mark, but I just believe is looking over them that uh, it's pretty much where we're going to be. But if not, we'll get it figured out. We're going to start out in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 16 through 18. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. 
But when you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father, look at your neighbor and say, your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Will reward you. Will reward you. This private spiritual discipline of fasting has public rewards. Uh, When we feel ourselves growing spiritual dry and uh, we don't sense that cutting edge anointing or we just need a fresh encounter with God, fasting is the secret key that unlocks heaven's door and slams the door, the gates shut on hell. I, I, I believe that fasting is probably one of the greatest powers and tools that the church has available to them, but it is absolutely probably, I would say, way down the scale at the lowest point that the church really uses the availability and taps into the power of fasting. And many people just, they just don't get it, they don't understand it, or they tried it and, and, and failed and it just didn't work for them. And they just kind of written it off as something that happened in Bible times. But I want to tell you, I'm not speaking about something that I've read about. I'm not speaking about something that somebody told me about. I am speaking about something that I have experienced, something that I have applied to my life, and it works. It absolutely works. There's no question about it. And the church needs to tap in to this resource that has been given to us by God. Amen? So we find that prayers take on a powerful edge when we fast. Uh, we find that the discipline of fasting releases the anointing, the favor, and the blessings of God in the life of a Christian. Uh, when we take the steps to break out of the ordinary worship, when we take the steps to break out of ordinary worship, and we worship Him the way He deserves, we will begin to see facets of His being like we have never witnessed or experienced before. Things that we didn't even know existed. Fasting is that powerful. God will begin to share secrets about himself, his plans and his desires for us. We will be amazed at the things God will show us as we press in to him through fasting. I want us to look at a scripture this morning, Matthew 9, 14 and 15. And and this was something, a revelation that God personally gave me a couple of years ago. And I just want to share it once again. Uh, but in Matthew 9 and verses 14 and 15, Then John's disciples came and asked him, him being Jesus, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. This is what God showed me here. 
When there is a manifestation of God in His glory, His power, His anointing, His holiness, then there's really not a need too fast. But when there is not a clarity of that, then there's a need to fast. There is a need to fast. So he said there's coming a time where the bridegroom is going to be taken away and they're going to fast then. They're going to fast then. We must apply fasting to get a clear revelation, a fresh manifestation of God and His power and His glory in Jesus Christ the Son, the living Word. Can somebody say amen? Why do we fast? Uh, I want to just take a moment because I believe that there are different kinds of fast. There are private fasts that we do privately, but then there are biblical described fasts where they are called. And we notice when there are biblical fasts called it, it's when unusual times and situations call for unusual measurements and supernatural responses from God. And I, I believe that, that we're there, church. I believe America is there. And I believe that the greatest time that we can fast is at the beginning of the year. Giving God the first of our year. Giving God the best of our year. And if we'll give God time at the beginning of the year, He will do amazing things in our lives. And there are three things, I believe, that we must ask ourselves concerning fasting. Number one, what are our motives behind the fast? Is it I'll lose weight, detoxify my body, cleanse myself, have a healthier digestive tract, or because the pastor suggested it? What is our motive behind the fast that we're fixing to go into? Am I doing this so I can fit back into my clothes from all the weight that I gained during the Christmas holidays? You see, all of these will be side benefits, but it should not be the main reason we're fasting. The second thing, what are the specific needs I am fasting for? When people fasted in the Bible days, they fasted for a specific need. Sometimes they were in trouble. Sometimes it was their finances. And other times they were fasting for their children or for help or for direction. And I want us to get in our minds, going into this fast, the specific reasons we are fasting for. If God came down and asked us this morning, some of us have been in prayer, we're taking this serious. If God came down and asked us to list three of the top things in our life, in our family, that we want Him to do we should be able to, to tell him. We, we should know those. And we should keep those before us during our fasting. Maybe it's an unsaved soul that we want to see saved. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our nation. But we should have three things 
And I want to give you the one specific thing that I want to see concerning New Life Worship Center that you can keep before you. I believe that the vision that God give us still stands. It's very simple, and it's easy to grasp hold of, but yet it is just phenomenal when you begin to look into its depth. It is simply to advance the kingdom one soul at a time through the ministry of Jesus Christ. When you look into the depth of Jesus and you look into the depth of his ministry, it's unlimited. Nothing too big, nothing too small. So how can we advance? What can I do? Not what can pastor do. Not what can the worship leader do. Not what can the youth pastor do. Not what can the children's pastor do. What can I do to advance the kingdom one soul at a time? I want to tell you, one soul is important. Jesus crossed a raging sea in a time of storm to get to one soul. He stopped and talked to a Samaritan woman, one soul. He called a man out of a tree, one soul. One soul at a time. That's how you win the world. That's how we win our city. That's how we win our family. And we have, each and every one of us have a place in the body of Christ. I can't look at anyone in this house this morning and say, I don't need you. I can't look at anybody in this house and say, you're not important. I can't look at one soul in this house and say, I'm not dependent upon you. Because the scripture describes the church as a body. Jesus Christ the head. And we cannot say to the members of the body, we don't need you. I can't look at any one of my fingers or my toes or my organs, things that I can see upon my body and things that I cannot see, and say, I don't need you. There is a purpose for every part of my body, and there is a purpose for you. We need you. We need each other. We have a purpose. There are talents and gifts that God has given to each and every one of us. And I believe that through fasting, God can give us clarity of what those gifts and those talents are of what we can do to advance his kingdom even once and that soul may be on your job at work it may be the person living next door to you it may be the person that's behind you at the checkout counter it may be the teller at the bank it could be anybody but it's one soul at a time we advance god's kingdom and let me tell you something it doesn't even have to be a lost soul it could be a fellow brother or sisters in, sister in Christ that is just down, discouraged. And if you uplift them, you just advance God's kingdom. Through that soul, we need each other. We need each other. And going into this fast, that's the one thing that I want us to keep. That God will just give us clarity. That he will give us revelation. That we can fulfill the vision that God has given New Life Worship Center. And that we can all be a part of it. That we don't look at ourselves as just spectators. Or we look at ourselves as unneeded or unwanted. You were important in God's kingdom. And this is a great opportunity that God is providing for you. In this time and in this season of fasting. Going in this new year. 
to absolutely have your life transformed and to begin to walk in your destiny of what you were created for by God and to experience Him in ways that you have never experienced Him before. Give Him praise in this house. So along with the personal things in your life, as a church, keep that before you. That we will be united and God will equip the saints to advance his kingdom one soul at a time through the ministry of Jesus Christ. The third thing, am I determined to minister unto the Lord during my fast? Am I determined to minister to the Lord during my fast? In Acts 13 and 2, tell us that the prophets and teachers at the church at Antioch ministered to the Lord and fasted. Fasting is a time that we set aside for ministering to the Lord. It's not about us getting what we want from God all the time. I know that might shock some of you. Let that soak in. I know it doesn't agree with the flesh. But it's not about us getting what we want all the time. God will move when we fast. But it should be a time when our hearts are crying out, I want to minister to you. I want to love you. I want to know you. I want to draw closer to you. My heart cries out for you. That is the motive. That is the spirit that we should approach and go into this fast with. And and, and let's look at that approach in a little bit deeper way. Because the way we approach this fast is extremely important. If you are not serious about it, then you won't get real serious results. If we don't approach this seriously, then we're not going to get serious results from it. The more serious you are about the fast, the more serious God will respond. Your heart has to be, your heart has to be in the fast. Amen, Mike? Amen. Your heart has to be in the fast and when your heart is in it there will come fellowship with god like you have never known before can i get an amen i know i'm not the only one that's fasted in this house i know that many people have joined throughout the years in fasting and especially not only at the beginning of the year but especially at that time but throughout the year has can anybody honestly say they've ever went on a serious fast and never had close fellowship with god Never experienced him in unique and new ways. Anybody? I know I haven't. But your heart has to be in the fast. And when it is, there will be close fellowship with God like we've never known. I want us to look at a verse of scripture. Zechariah 7 and 5. Zechariah 7 and 5. Say to all the people of the land and to the priests. And to the priest, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, seventh months, during those 70 years, look at your neighbor and say 70 years. Did you really fast for me? For me. (laughs) I got to read that again because this just blows my mind. Say to all the people of the land and to the pastors and to the preachers 
and to the priest, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me. God, for 70 years, the people had declared a certain time every year when they would fast to God. After fasting in this way for 70 years, God asked the question, uh, just wondering, uh, just, but could just have a moment of your time and just interrupt this thing just for a minute. I know this has been going on for 70 years. I, I just, I, I, I just curious about something. During these 70 years that you've been fasting, just got to know, was you fasting for me? <laughs> they do it for 70 years and then got at. You see, it's possible to go on a fast and have so many personal motives and agendas that we're not even fasting for God. We're not even fasting unto God, but fasting for our own wants and desires. And after the people in Zechariah's day had fasted the same time every year for 70 years, God wanted to know, is anybody hungry for me and my kingdom and my agenda and my purposes and my plans for this earth? Wow. Wow. Fasting brings the flesh off the throne. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. When we fast, we submit our bodies to God and say, cleanse this body, deal with all the habits and all the other things that are earthly. I'm presenting this flesh to you. I know the flesh will always be here. But I'm letting it know that Jesus is Lord of this temple. I'm letting the flesh know that Jesus is Lord of this temple. Every time I fast, I get closer to God. Every time. Whether it's a, a, whether I'm fasting just for a meal, or whether it's 21 days, or whether it's 40 days, whether it's food, or whether it's a television program, There is no greater reward than him. You'll receive no greater reward through this 21-day fast than him. He's it. He's what it's all about. He's who we're after. He's who we want manifested in the house. He's who we want manifested in the life. He's who we want speaking. He is who we want shining. He is who the world needs. They don't need me. They don't need my money. They don't need my talent. They need him. There is no greater reward than him. I want us to look real quickly at seven biblical fasts that we find in the Bible. The first one is the Esther fast. It's a three-day fast. I'm just going to kind of run through these kind of quickly. In Esther 4 and 16, Esther says, fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. You see, she needed favor with the king when she stood before him. The purpose of a three-day fast is to seek God's favor in the time of crisis. If you'll read the story of Esther, it's a beautiful love story. Uh, it's, it, it's, 
it's just wonderful. There are so many symbols uh, in that uh, in that story, uh, but it is also a powerful, powerful example of fasting. Uh, so take the time. Amen. How many know that God's word is just wonderful? Amen. Amen. It's yes, yes. It's beautiful from Genesis right on through Revelation, and the wonderful thing is all true. Glory to God. And it never gets old, and you never learn everything. Every time I go back through it, I'm always learning something. Wow, it's just amazing. It's a well that never runs dry. It's a well that you never reach the bottom of. Never drink it all in. The second one is a Daniel fast, a 21-day fast. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 and 3, 10 and 11 and 14. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 and 3, 10 and 11 and 14. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks, 21 days. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth. Nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks or 21 days were completed. Verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand. I like the position that he was in. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. Verse 14. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Through a 21-day fast, God will give you understanding of the vision that he has given you. He has given you personally, maybe for your life, for your family, and what he has given to the church. And it brings about a know-how to make the vision happen. How many want to see the vision fulfilled? Amen. Don't you want to see God's kingdom advance? Oh, it's beautiful. Third, the self-examination fast, the one-day fast. In Leviticus 23 and 27, we read about a one-day fast. Also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and... Offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And there is also a confirming scripture found in Jeremiah 36 and 3. Jeremiah 36 and 3. Therefore go thou and read in the roll, which thou hast written from my mouth, the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. What God is saying here is that I want you to set aside a certain time that you fast and seek me. And the purpose for this one-day fast is for self-examination and consecration. That's what this one is about. Now, number four, the fast before a battle. There's another fast here in Judges chapter 20. And God had told the children of Israel to fight the tribe of Benjamin. And they prayed, God said go, and they lost 23,000. They prayed again, God said go, and they lost 18,000. So God told them to do something, they went out and did it, and they were defeated. The first time they lost 23,000. 
They went out again when God told them to and they lost 18,000. I want to I say a couple of things here because <clears throat> some of you... have felt God telling you to do something. And you've went out and did it. And you felt defeated. And you've moved again and you've felt defeated. And so, you have come to a place to where you have allowed the defeat of those times to program you how you move forward in your life and in your walk with God. And you have allowed unbelief and doubt to creep in and to take hold of your life. Because you're judging the past on what God's going to do in your future. You're judging the past of what God is going to do in your future. But in verse 26... It says this, Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. If you read the rest of the story there in Judges 20, they went out that time and completely destroyed the enemy. They won. The victory. You should never go into a major battle without fasting first. Something happens when we fast and pray that does not happen if we don't fast. Even if God told us to do it. First, you need to attach fasting to it. It will bring the victory every time. Every time. Don't try to judge what God did yesterday on what he's going to do today. Don't try to judge what God did in 2012 in your health, what he's going to do in 2013. Or your finances. Or emotionally and psychologically, or even spiritually. God has a plan and he has a purpose. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Number five, fasting to lift God's judgment from another's life. Fasting to lift God's judgment from another's life. 1 Kings 21, 1 Kings 21, 27 through 29. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and laid in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbeite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. God said this because that wicked man humbled himself in fasting so that God would lift the judgment. And God did. 
There is a supernatural, there is a supernatural power in fasting and prayer that is not confined just to our life. I believe that you can fast and pray and in so doing, lift the judgment off another person's life and give them more time for God's mercy to do a work in that person's life. I believe that with all my heart. Number six, the fast for healing. This is a good one. Isaiah 58, 6 through 9. Isaiah 58, 6 through 9. The fast for healing. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of the wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? To let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. You... If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking of wickedness. In this portion of scripture it says that your health will spring forth speedily. Fasting can usher in God's healing. Fasting can usher in God's healing. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we would just get out of the way and let him be God, we'll see his supernatural power at work. John the Baptist had it right. We must decrease that he might increase. And the last one, the seventh, the dominion fast. That's the 40-day fast. You see, fasting makes you tough in spirit. The flesh is weak. But the Spirit is willing. Fasting makes you tough in the Spirit. Fasting makes the inner man rise up and say, Devil, who do you think you are to mess with my family? To put fear in my mind or inflict my body. Greater is he that is in me. By fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus got back dominion. The Bible says in Matthew 4 that he returned in the power of the Spirit after he fasted. The effect of godly fasting, I think we find a picture of that in Ezra 8 and 21. Ezra 8 and 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones in all our possession. Let's look at three powerful reasons indicated here in this verse for fasting. Number one, the first thing we see is we fast to seek of God the right way for us. How many want to go the right way in 2013? Amen. God will reveal to you the right way. He'll help you at the transitions. We're making some transitions this year. We need God's help. Amen. I'm sure that many of you are making transitions in your personal life and in your family. You need God's help. Don't want to make a mistake. That's right. 
Have you ever thought that you wanted to do something, jumped out there and did it, and then found out you didn't really want to do that? It was bad, wasn't it? Well, God will help you in the transitions. He gives clear direction. He shows us the right way to go. Second, you should fast for your little ones, your children. Mm. God said that you can raise up a foundation for many generations by fasting. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. For many generations by fasting. Something begins to happen in a home of people who fast. The house of faith is built. And extends from generation to generation to generation. And third, we learn in Ezra 8 and 21 that we should fast for substance. We fast to petition God about our substance, our resources, our finances. We affirm to God that he is our source. He is our source. We can't do it without him, church. Everything that we have has been given to him, to us by him. And it belongs to him. The fact is, is we're only stewards over it. He's entrusted it with us. And we affirm to God that he is our source and we are pleading to him to bless us financially and materially. When we fast, we are seriously seeking God's face. Fasting disrupts business as usual. If you go into this 21 day seriously and you really put your heart into it, It's not going to be business as usual. I can promise you that. Is that what we're looking for? Absolutely, it's what we're looking for. Are we crying out to God to do something in us that he's never done before? How many wants God to do something in us that he's never done before? On on an individual basis, on a church level, amen. Families, don't you want to see God do something that he's never done before? Are we tired of business as usual? If we are, then it's time to get ready to begin our fast. I want to bring out some things to remember in closing this morning. Then we're going to just have a time of prayer. It's about 12 o'clock. First, remember to establish a place and a time to pray. Prayer is critical during the fast to break through and to hear what the Lord is saying to you. Also, remember to get God's direction on the type of fast that you will do. A full fast or a partial fast, as we found in Daniel. Remember, also, that closeness to the Lord is your goal. That's our goal, to get close to God. And don't let the legal aspects of fasting and worldly things crowd out this goal. Keep this goal, number one. Keep it before you. This season of sacrifice will also be a season of warfare. And you will need to be at your best. Remember to enjoy the many spiritual rewards of fasting. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Also remember to have your favorite worship music available. And spend time worshiping often. Giving thanks, giving praise, worship to God. Do that often. Remember to have an accountability partner. An accountability partner. Somebody that you can kind of, you know, commune with and talk with. And so, you know, we're encouraging and helping each other along and stuff, you know. 
accountability partner is great to have, not only when fasting, but just in everyday life. And then lastly, remember that if the fast doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God either. And you don't have to try to impress me. If your heart ain't in it, don't waste your time doing it. Over these next 21 days, if I see you gaining about 30 pounds, don't worry about it. I'm not going to think bad about you. I'd rather see you gain a few pounds instead of waste your time. Without being combined with prayer and the Word, fasting is little more than dieting. Fasting itself is a continual prayer before God. There may be days when heaven opens and your heart is prompted to deep times of prayer. But then at the same time, there may be other days where your energy is just sapped. And you just cannot seem to focus in prayer. Do not condemn yourself. Do not condemn yourself. God sees your sacrifice. And he will reward. I'm excited. I think that we've reached the end of this year running on fumes. I sense in my spirit a great struggle in many of your lives. And I sense the pressure of an adversary that would love to destroy this work here in Gladewater. But I'm excited about my Heavenly Father that cannot lie. He is true. And I'm excited about applying myself to this biblical principle. And watch the glory of God explode in my life, in your life, and in this house. Remember, he's what we're after. He's what we're chasing. He'll be the greatest reward. I love you. Thank you for being here today.